This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hi everyone. Welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. So a very uh, busy Christmas is now out of the way. And as always, we are back. Um, we're going to be discussing a relatively frustrating 2-2 draw, obviously, versus Rotherham. Uh, of course, you know, we'll preview the Burnley game, which uh, obviously takes place on Friday. And funny enough, at the time of recording this, they've just hammered Birmingham 3-0. So should be an interesting game. But uh, before we get into all of that, Welcome back, Daniel Buxton. How was uh, your Christmas and Boxing Day been, mate? Not too bad, mate. Uh, it's last day at work for a week was Boxing Day, so that was a it was a manic day. But yes, I've got plenty of time to recover now before now and the uh, next Tuesday when I'm back in. Oh yeah, good on you, mate. I'm off until Tuesday as well, but um, yeah, I wish I wouldn't bothered. I mean, obviously in recruitment, it can be quite quiet during this period, so I feel like I'm wasting three days annual leave. But whatever, I'll take it. So you wanted to be away for the busy parts and then go in and chill when it's nice and quiet. Exactly. Who wants to work? Good man. <laughs> <Gotta> go. <laughs> Thank you, mate. So yeah, you've had you've had a, had a good time then. The kids have had a good time and all that. Uh, yeah, the kids loved it. Um, it was like a doctor's surgery, if you remember last week. Mm-hmm. It, uh, that's it's sort of improved. It's come out of the kids now and made its way towards the adults in the house, as naturally these things do, don't they? When you're all cooped in together. Um, yeah. But yeah, not not uh, like I say, everyone's people are on the men now, which is the main thing. Uh, still full of Christmas spirit. Santa came. Uh, I wish I wish I'd have asked Santa for an extension. For the amount of gifts that he's left. <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to find places for him, mate. That's the challenge. Yeah. That should have been what I'd put on my Santa list, shouldn't I? A conservatory or an extension to the house. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you should have done. Um, yeah, well, I must admit, Dan, you know all about this, mate, and I'm, I'm going to bring it up because, it, I mean, Christ, I'm, I'm on cloud nine at the minute. So, <laughs> um, Dan knows full well that I have my both teams to score coupons. Uh, I have it every single week. I normally have about eight or nine fixtures, and I had a £20 pretty much free bet from uh, the earlier game in the week. And, uh, yeah, I put it on to nine fixtures, and I won't go into the war and peace, but all nine fixtures came in. So I've managed to coup just under five grand um, on Boxing Day. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, the last 24 hours for me has been looking at trying to get me and my family to Disneyland, all that. Uh, well, Disneyland and Universal in Orlando, a bit of a once-in-a-lifetime trip. It's something I thought I'd never be able to do. And I've said to you, Dan, Luke, you know, if I'm ever going to have a free five grand to put towards something like that, this is the time, because it's never going to happen again. What our listeners want to know is, what dates are you looking at when you're looking at booking this trip? Um, It'll be in July, some point. <laughs> That's okay then. You're not going to abandon me for another American transatlantic trip during the season. I'll try not to, mate. We'll only, have to get a stand. Only just recovered from the Vegas one. <laughs> well, mate. Well, uh, I'll, I'll make sure I get a, a little robotic version of me if, if, I'm, if I'm away, because it will be for a couple of weeks. So, um, <laughs> anyway, yes. Let's get all back onto the football. Uh, anyway, so yeah, let's kick off with Rotherham for the obvious reasons. I mean. Dan, not really the best result, mate. I think both of us can probably agree on that one. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, me, you, John, who was our guest, and Graham, I think we all went for wins. I'm pretty sure we did. So, yeah, we, we know absolutely nothing, do we, mate? Uh, no, we, we did. We all went for uh, wins, didn't we? Yeah, so we all thought we'd win. I think I went, did I go for a 3-0 win? What the hell was that? I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because I, I gave you a joke about you, you were going for a four at, at, at the beginning and you kind of stopped yourself. I think me and John went for three one wins, um, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, uh, not a good result. But I mean, did, did you manage to catch the, the game at all? Uh, yes. So um, I, I thought we, to be honest, from like I say, from the, from the majority of the game and we we had a lot of the ball again and we played quite well and it was chances. If we just took chances... Like Delap could have had the game sort of sewn up in the first half, but he hasn't. Yeah. Do you know what Same I mean? old issue, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I've just got to blow like everything to talk about for, in one go. Um, bro, so you know they, they should have been down to ten men after two minutes. I am one hundred percent that <laughs> one of the clues red cards you will see. It's one of them, though, mate. If that, it's the old age old thing into oh the game's just started. But a red is a red at any time of the game. If it's after yeah. thirty seconds, yeah. it's a red. Can, Some referees just don't like to give them. No, I can understand if it's like that. Let's start on the red card. Let's get this out and, and chat with this then first. That, he is led. Was it ninety seconds into the game? He's led with his point of his elbow straight into the side of of Jagielka's um, face. That doesn't matter whether that's ninety seconds in, ninety seconds left. For the hot bang on half time, whenever that is a red card. You know, I understand. I understand if it's like um, somebody makes a tackle that's like an or you like you say, a, a, a orange card in inverted covers. I can understand the ref when he's like, "Well, that could be a yellow, could be a red. I'm going to side with a yellow because it's early on in the game." I understand them. Them ones where it's two, three minutes in. Yeah, but. Like say when the the, the, the if, if it's a clear red, that you can't just say, well, I'm not going to give it because we're two minutes in. And if he, if that is the case, and he decided to do that, why when the guy went flew in late on Jordan Thompson twenty minutes later, did he not give him send him off then at that point? He said, you know what, you should have you could I could have sent you off earlier on, give you a yellow. I told you that was your final warning. You've just gone flying in here. You're late into this tackle. 
There's your second yellow card. Off you go. Bang average set of referees in this division who haven't got any balls half the time. <laughs> that, that's the problem. With the quality, we've been moaning about it all season. And they're like, oh, you know, it swings and roundabouts. It bloody doesn't. We always seem to be on the wrong end of these decisions. You know, the one with, what's his face, the other season in the knee? Was it Harvey Ballas, if I remember rightly? But I just desperately, mate, you know what, you know what this, this league needs? If we can't improve the referees, we need VAR soon. And I, I don't like VAR personally. I think it, when it's used right, it's a good tool to have. But we need it because the referees clearly are not capable of of making the right decisions. Well, it's funny enough, I was talking, you know, obviously a friend of the podcast, Anthony, Anthony was on last week on the Christmas special. I was talking to him earlier on about VAR and I said, you know, can't wait for it to come in. And he made the point. He said, well, the thing is, the problem with VAR is you've got the Muppet referees who are in control of it. They're still the ones making the decision. <laughs> well, I guess it depends. I remember it's one of them. And if, if you've got all them championship games, what are the quality of the team behind them? I mean, the referee typically does as he's told. You'd hope that three or four people in a control room somewhere can make a decision based on, you know, and the referee just follows it. How often do you do? Did you see a VAR decision where you, it's like the ref will make a decision and then you'll think, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's a clear penalty. How's he not giving that VAR all over to that? And then it comes back, yeah, VAR say nothing doing. And you're like, hey. I think VAR would improve the situation, but I don't think it gets it fantastic. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's foolproof by any matter, unfortunately. I think we need better refereeing you know, standards. But I mean, just seen the World Cup there, I mean, there was a few of the dodgy refs there, weren't there? For, <laughs> yeah. It shows that it's not just an England problem. You know, these poor refs are quite, you know, all over. Yeah, or we just need to accept the fact that the human and they all make mistakes, and this is how it's always going to be. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I mean, there are a couple of other positives you mentioned, you know, to me off, off air about a few different things, mate. You mentioned the lap as well, um, just so yeah. I, I thought, mate, I thought the lap looked really lively, uh, as did Tyrese. To be honest with you, I know Tyrese comes in for a lot of stick from from some places. Amazingly, um, he still still gets abuse left, right, and centre. Still gets called lazy. Still, <laughs> I'm like, I do not get it at all. Um, people still saying how he's better, you know, not as good as he thinks he is, and he's better. I mean, since we've come back off this break, how long are people going to hang on to previous games? Like, you know, how long has he got to play well before people start accepting and praising him for playing well right now? Mm. Um because since we've come back from the international break, he looks sharper, he looks fitter, he looks hungrier. He's, it's as if his his mentality is better. Because possibly that becomes possibly his mentality has never not been an issue. Maybe his body's now allowing him to do things that he wants to do. He looks quicker. He looks um, more dangerous in front of goal, both shooting and supplying other people. I mean, we've scored six goals in three games, haven't we? We've scored two two against Cardiff, where Bera did he score and set one up? Uh, he scored, and then there was the shot that took a deflection, the, the lap, if well, I remember yes. right. And uh, we went to Bristol City, and he, he run himself into the ground at Bristol away at Bristol City. Um, obviously, he he was came off his back, didn't it, for the lap's goal? Yep. And that was doing something that he was being criticised for previously. You know, 
people say, you know, he's, he doesn't press, he doesn't, um, you know, doesn't put the effort in, doesn't run, doesn't chase lost causes. Well, he chased the lost cause there, didn't he? Because that defender, 99 times out of 100, would have headed that ball away. It was only because Campbell was, you know, putting him under pressure that he pushed him back, pushed him back, and the ball ended up hitting Campbell on the back, four into the lap, and we scored. So, yeah, pray, you know, giving credit where credit's due. He's chased down a ball there that he's no right to win, and he's won it. You know, whether he's come off the back of his head or his back or whatever, that doesn't matter. He's won a ball that he had no right to win, and we scored yeah. a goal off it. And like I say, you see that towards the end of Bristol when he could have made it three one, you could tell his legs. He could barely put one foot in front of the other, couldn't he? At that point, because he'd run, you know, he'd run himself into the ground that much, and that just shows that you know he is getting. You know, he's getting fitter and he's he's getting he's leaving nothing out on the pitch, doing everything he can. And I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going to um apologize for being because I'm a massive Tyrese Campbell fan, I always have been. I'm not gonna apologize for that fact. Um whether people think I'm due to that I'm biased and looking for positives. I only see a very, very good footballer uh, at the minute, possibly the best in the team, definitely the best attacking player in the team right now. And then if you well, go on to the game at the weekend, again, he's scored. And how did that goal come about? That goal came about from pressing the defender. They were passing the ball around. He has pressed and he's hurried the defender and he's forced the defender to make a mistake, giving him a one-on-one with the keeper. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's exactly that. And you mentioned about, um, you know, Stats and stuff. I mean, I'm looking at them them now. For the 466 forwards in this championship, he is 42nd in terms of overall statistics. <laughs> that's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, so yeah, uh, 20. Well, played 21 uh, in total. So that's 20 championship, one league. Obviously scored four goals, has one assist. Um, his goals to uh, basically yeah goals per 90 ratio is four. Is uh, basically 0.33 goals per 90 minutes, which puts him top of the strikers in our in our team. So yeah, that's not difficult to be top. That's not difficult. It's not no. <laughs> it, it's 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 yeah. It, it's not difficult, mate. But at the, the end of the day, he's, he's still the top goal scorer. Um, well, with you, you arguably, that, you know, so on. Do you do you think back during the World Cup break when that that uh, list came out of the strikers in the championship with the worst conversion rates? Obviously, Gale was top as soon as he hadn't scored. The lap was second. Jacob Brown was sixth. You know, so you, you, I know, obviously, those three, they've all creating chances, not pointing away. Seems when Campbell is getting chances, at least he is, you know, managing to find the net. Yeah, and I think one, one, one final thing I will say about this, mate, and um, I've said it before just to move, so we can move on, but um, Joe Allen was your boo boy. Joe Allen's gone. Um, so we have to find another one, and I think Baker was starting to warm up to that position, uh, and then I think everyone's just turned their the attentions to to Tyrese. Um, I mean, we, we're, you're never going to please everyone. Um, the only way that Tyrese is going to shut them people up is to go and score goals and help win games. That's all he can do. You can't control yeah. anything else. I mean, the two things I was so just there was a couple of times on Saturday where he's run, he's gone to 20, 30 yard runs on two people on. He's had a chance to shoot himself and he's seen Delap in a better position and rolled the ball to Delap and Delap's missed the chance. Fair enough, Delap's put himself in the position to receive the ball and have the opportunity, so he's done that bit well, just his finish is let him down. 
But again, Campbell could easily, as a striker, go for goal in them situations, but he's looking to do what's best for the team and, you know, lay on to others. He could have got himself an at-trick at the weekend if he'd have been greedy. Um, and we would have won the game, probably. <laughs> but, but that's beside the point, isn't it? At that point in time, the square ball to somebody was in a, you know, in a better position was what he tried to do. Um, and the other thing is, obviously, a celebration. I think we need to touch on that. He's been said to me, I've seen it written and people complaining, saying that he's shushed the fans, cupped his ears to the fans. He's just equalised away from home in, 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 in a goal. He's in a, in a tight stadium. The fans close to the pitch. There's 2,200 Stoke fans in that away end. And he's just scored from a yard out right in front of them. They're all going mad celebrating. The crowd had been brilliant all the way through. You could hear him singing and go thinking there was it wasn't just giving him abuse or anything. They were and what he's done is he's put his hand to his ear to this is how I've perceived it. Obviously, people can perceive it one way. I only see this one way. His hands to his ear, he's listening to the noise and he's raising his hand up, up, louder, louder. Come on, let's hear you louder. That's how he says. To me, there's no, yeah, there's no finger to the lips. There's no like, oh well, where are you now? Yeah, where are the booze now or anything like that. At that no. point in time, he, like I say, he's literally scored right in front of them, with them close to the pitch in that stadium anyway. And he's been coming from a yard out, so he's literally stood right there. And it, that, that to me was just loving the noise, louder, come on, louder, louder. That's what he was doing. Like, yeah. come on, roars on, let's go another, come on. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, I, there's nothing more to say. I think that is exactly what's happened. But again... I just think pe- people like, like, like him. Say, like you say, the team sheet comes out and like I said, there's got to be a boo boy. Oh, great Campbell's playing today. That's someone we can get into. Lovely. <laughs> One positive I, I want to take from... I know it was not exactly a positive result. I, I guess you can say we didn't lose. <laughs> what do you probably say about since we've come back actually after the World Cup? We've shown a lot more resilience. Um, I think we can 100% say that. What we played three games now, I think, since we come back. I think we've been one nil down in all of them, and we've yeah. not lost any of them. Whereas before, we would have just crumbled and just died. So, um, I mean, to be fair, if we would have lost all three of them, Alex Neal's position would have been called into question by a lot of people, I think. But you know, again, we you know, we've we've done really well for me. I think overall, yes, we should have beaten Cardiff. That was down to a dodgy referee again. Um, so you can arguably say that, you know, really, this was the game where you could turn around and go, we probably underperformed. So if we would have be- beat Cardiff as we should have done, everyone actually would have been really not overly fussed about yesterday. But it's just because of those little fine margins. I think people are, are understandably, I would, I probably would point out, you know, feeling a bit frustrated. But um, yeah, I mean, resilience has definitely been there since we've come back, hasn't it? Yeah, that, and that was a massive thing holding us back, wasn't it? Um, like I say, just when we went 1-0 down, it was as if everyone just, oh, that's it now. <laughs> and that was players and supporters, once everybody just, as if everything just drained out of us. Um, but now we actually fancy us to come back into games. You know, it's three, I say three games in a row, so it's not a one-off. It's not just happened. It seems to be that they are more together. And, I mean, it was another controversial thing, but you wonder whether that trip to Dubai has just brought them together as a 
as a group, as a unit, and made them feel more as a team rather than just individuals. Yeah. Well, the, something's changed, mate. Even if it's something small or subconscious or whatever the hell it is, something's changed. It can't be a fluke to happen three times in a row when we couldn't do it once before before that break. So, yeah. Um, any more observations before we move on to some audio from, uh, obviously, the, the Rotherham camp? Um, no, I received a, a decent game again. Um, I suppose it was Sod's Law that Connor Washington came mm. on for... Um, probably his name is now, the guy who should have been sent off for Rotherham. Oh, sorry, that's really bad. My head's just gone blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously he came on for him, subbed on for him and then scored their second goal and two straight away. Uh, one interesting stat I will fire at you before we before we go. Um, Rotherham scored three goals against us this season from two shots on target. <laughs> How many teams have got a ratio like that? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not great. Um, but anyway, yeah, so obviously we caught up with the Rotherham camp last week. Uh, obviously they gave us a bit of their thoughts. I think they were feeling relatively confident, if I remember rightly. So let's uh, catch up with them after the game to see exactly what they thought. I think the game was a very, very scrappy game. Neither team seemed to feel get into a rhythm. I don't know if that's both teams stopping each other or both teams out of form or whatever it was, but there was sort of my point of view there was no rhythm to the game I felt the goals we scored were decent enough goals they were well worked the first one was a massive deflection but the build up to it was very nice but other than that we really struggled to find any, any rhythm to the game or, or or a period of play where we were on top or anything like that so obviously you guys have obviously had the best chances um, but without our help you wouldn't have still, still, wouldn't, still wouldn't have scored and that's obviously a concern from you guys' point of view that you're not you're creating a reasonable number of chances, especially in the first half, um, and never really hurt us until we gifted obviously the back, the back pass and the own goal. So the frustration it's very frustrating from our side, our point of view, because we've had to work really hard to sort of break you guys down and create them chances and put the ball and score the goals, and then we just gifting two two of the softest goals you like to see, um, certainly on, on Boxing Day. It's just so frustrating that, from our point of view, that we yeah, we're giving those goals away. Draw is probably a fair result. Actually, I think you had the more, more of the chances, but didn't look that threatening in front of goal. When we had, when we created the chances, we looked a bit more threatening. So I think, round in a roundabout way, a draw is probably a fair result. We are very frustrated being ahead twice, and throwing throwing it away twice. Um, there's obviously an added frustration from our point of view, but that's football. That's 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 the championship. Um, it needs to. These things happen, unfortunately, for us. Um, any standout players? I thought Smallbone for you guys was was pretty good in the first. I thought everything good sort of came through the central central area. He also managed to stop Barlasa taking hold of the game as well. So from that point of view, I thought I thought he, I thought he did he did, a, did a decent job. Uh, I don't think if, if for either team any any player particularly stood out. Uh, but if, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Smallbone as the uh, as a bit of a shining light. Um, yeah, frustrating. And for neutral minds, it wasn't a great watch, to be honest with you. But we'll take a point and we'll uh, and we'll all move on. Okay, yeah, I think uh, must agree with you, mate. I think you know you're right. It's it's tight game that we probably should have won. I mean, I know you thought draw was probably a fair result. I mean, I suppose yeah, when you you give me goals away, I suppose it is. But I I, I must admit, either way, I, I would we didn't lose the game. I think 
that's important to say we didn't lose the game. Yes, we should have won it. Yes, we had the better chances. Um, we just seems to have this thing about Rotherham, which we need to get over very, very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, moving on anyway, we did actually have some uh, kind of thoughts in from a few listeners as well, Dan, which you probably haven't seen uh, these of yet, actually. But we had about four or five comments. So I'll just read a quick couple of them out. Uh, Blackbeard says, uh, no standout players for me. A decent enough performance all round. Uh, big disappointment for me, though, was the finishing, which we've obviously mentioned. Uh, no composure or cutting edge. Wouldn't say I'm happy with the result, but it's better to get a point than nothing. I'd have been fuming if we would have lost. Uh, Jutest said, uh, too often we give up a lead or sit back when ahead. At this rate, we'll be a mid-table cha- club in the championship for many years yet. Yesterday, no one stood out. Ty had a few moments, but the rest, uh, I think, was uh, where I left it. Uh, Nathan Stokey-Dre said, five points since return, three games unbeaten in three, coming from behind. Little things at the moment mean improvement. A long run. Uh, Ty getting back to his best. So we've got a few Ty fans, uh, Dan. Uh, I can't quite see the name of this. Life's a bitch, I think, is the name of this one. Um, Played well, deserved three points is one of the other comments as well. So, like I say, we we, we had a few um, positive comments overall, but a couple saying Ty was back to his best, which is good. We also had a comment on Facebook. Okay, yeah, what was it? What was it he said, uh, Campbell deserves more praise than he's getting right now, in my opinion. Ah, there you go. There you go. There's a lot of Campbell fans. It's a minority, not, not a majority. That's what we like to hear. Hello, my name is Sam. Um, I'd just like to start with by saying thank you to every step along the way for allowing me on to the podcast. Um, now, Boxing Day's been a bit of a weird one today. Usually we have a good record on Boxing Day, beating Blackburn, Man United, that unforgettable game against Sheffield Wednesday, Liverpool and Everton. But today it was just a frustrating game from both sides, really. Defensively, not good enough. Strikers lacking confidence and not putting away their chances. That's just the story of the game, really. Uh, we start off the game with Tom Eves, probably should have been sent off, um, but he got a yellow card. Stoke fans didn't like that, obviously. Um, and Campbell and Delap, they show confidence, but they just need to finish their chances. Delap is a good player, we know he's a good player, young lad. Just needs to, again, finish his chances. We pressure well and we look like a good team at times, but how stoke is it to concede before half-time? Honestly, we had so we had so much more quality, so much more intelligence than Rotherham. I don't think they were a good side, but they scored before half-time. And then the, the second half, that was interesting. Um, again... Brown can't really defend, but that's not a shock. He's a striker playing at right wing-back. How many times has the fans called out for that? Um, 42 minutes in, we probably should have had a penalty, but might have been a foul to Delap. Um, And then a goal to Tyrese Campbell, which is fair play to him. Capitalising a mistake. Um, And then Washington came on. Tommy's came off, and then shock, Washington scores. Tommy should have been sent off, so that should, that substitution should not have even been made. Um, and then Harry Clark comes on, probably changes the game. Um, comes on with a lot of energy, a lot of 
intelligence. And the man of the match for me, I probably have to give it to Jordan Thompson. Just lively. He's everywhere on the pitch. He's everywhere. He works hard. Bit of an unsung hero for Stoke in recent years. Um, but a 2-2 draw on Boxing Day. Can complain, but then can't complain. It's points on the board, so... Yeah, we go into the Burnley game. Um, Perth, did we have a, a man of the match? I know that we've, unfortunately, due to uh, technical issues, I think you've only been able to put it out a short time ago, but any early runners? Yep. We'll let it run for a couple of days before we actually you know, um, confirm the final standings. But as this pod is recorded, uh, Suter has 52% is in the lead. And then joint second is Josh Tyron and Tyrese Campbell with 17%. Okay. All right. No, that's fair enough. I think. Um, I think again, statistically, I think Suter was actually the standout player for Stoke. Anyway, I think he was. Uh, he was in somebody's top stats. I can't remember what it was. So yeah, a good start from him on his way back as well. Um, we did say, we did say, didn't we? He'd be hunting down Ben Wilmot and the uh, chipping away at the difference to get that Player of the Season award. Much coveted within the Stoke squad now. Absolutely, mate. The shame. The shame is, I hope I've got a horrible feeling he might not quite see out the season with uh, with Stoke. But I think he, I think he might say to Newcastle, you know what, lads, I'll come in the summer. There's there's a every step along the way player of the season trophy. I've got to win first before I leave. <laughs> I, should, say, I would you... have had it last year if I wasn't getting injured, so I'm going to make going to win it this one. You say um, you say Newcastle, mate. But from the game that I saw against Spurs at the weekend, he'll be going to Spurs before he goes to Newcastle. Um, some of the defending was atrocious. I mean, Dyer uh, was literally Dyer. Yes, Dyer by name. Yeah, I mean, how he gave a corner away with no pressure, just tried to volley it away, slice the ball, goes out for a corner, and then they score from a corner. Mate, just I said on the on on Twitter, um, which got a lot of likes, was in a five million extra on Suter's price tag all of a sudden. But um. Anyway, so no real news to kind of talk about this week at all. Uh, it's only been obviously the festive period, so nothing's really happened. So we'll go straight into the uh, the actual Burnley preview. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Dan, back to Fortress Bet365. Now, it's only a small team this time, a team called Burnley. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, Obviously, Tongue and Cheek here, of course, we've heard of them. They're absolutely running away with it and automatic position. They are... I say three 0 winners tonight, mate. So, I mean, we've obviously just finished watching them. We thought we'd use it as a good uh, scouting 
sufficient to fill everyone in. So if anybody didn't watch the Burnley versus uh, Birmingham game tonight, which understandably you you may not have done, um, they kept going early on, like really long ball. And feel free if you disagree with any of this, mate, but from what I saw, uh, very much kind of hitting the ball long. Harwood, Ballas and Co. were just heading away for fun. Um, what that said to me is that clearly we need to get the ball on the deck. Uh, we need a high-pressing game. Uh, they, they were just sitting back at times. It really didn't work out. So, yeah, for me, we need to get you know high up, pick up balls on the edge of the box. Um, I think it actually might suit a, a bit of a Nick Powell um, type type person, to be honest with you. I mean, before I move on, Powell got another 29, 30 minutes, I think. Um, what, what do you think it is with Nick, mate? Do you think he's not fit? Or do you think genuinely that he prefers Smallbone over Powell? Maybe he thinks Smallbone covers the ground better than Powell, or maybe does the role that he wants him to do better. Um, but for me, I think the more you can tell that he may be like Nick Powell seems to be coming on earlier and earlier in games, which tells me that he may be either he's getting Nick Powell ready to start or he's losing patience with Will Smallbone and his performances. Yeah, he's he's been very average though, Smallbone, hasn't he? He's not exactly, you know lit the league up or, you know, made us look amazing by a long stretch. Um, I mean, I think the Nicky's got glass legs, Auntie. I think that's the problem with him. And I just think, you know, with, with a game like this where it's going to be a difficult game, to be honest with ourselves, you know, the, the, you know Burnley aren't any long ball merchants. You know, they're going to be passing the ball around neatly. If, we, if we're going to play long ball, it's absolutely not the way to beat these people. We need to be getting in and around them a little, you know, Nick Powell's little flicks and tricks and, you know, trying to play balls in, you know, sneak, you know, cute little balls. That's, I think, is going to be exactly what we need to do. Um, I think one observation also made, and I'll let you have, a, uh, have your uh, your 10 pence worth, but um, I don't know if you noticed, all of their positive play was all down the right-hand side. Everything went down the right. Um, you know, Timon has to be on his A game. We know Timon can attack, but defensively, you know, we... I don't know what the solution is here. Part of me thinks he might go five at the back. A bit more of a, not necessarily an outright back five, flat back five, but it wouldn't surprise me if he does limit our offensive play a little bit. Because if we lose that ball and timing isn't in position, they will destroy us down the right-hand side. So, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do to try and combat that. Um, but I would not be surprised to see a bit more of a, of a flat defence or a more defensive wing-back type situation. As you said there, Connor Roberts is quite key for Burnley in the back, getting forward from right-back. But it could have the opposite effect. If timing's there, it could push Roberts back. He might not be able to get forward as much, do you know what I mean? Because, because you've got um, an attacking left you know, who's more dangerous going forward than he is solid at the back. It might just hold Roberts especially with him being away from him, hold Roberts in possession more and stop him advancing. And if he does advance, then we win the ball, then Timon's got a bit of a gap run into as well, hasn't he? Yeah, well, didn't Conor Roberts score against us last season and then he scored again tonight? So you know it's set up for, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, he'd have his goals out of the way. <laughs> um, what I would say, though, I noticed, um, like you said, the thing with the long ball was, you're hitting and hoping, but then if it doesn't come off, you've lost possession. And against this Burnley team, unless you're going to press them high, you've probably lost that possession for four or five minutes. Because they are 
they are very, very patient. They don't just they don't get the ball and pass it and pass it forward and look forward passes. They literally will just knock it around. And if there's no pressure on the ball, they'll just kick the ball. They're quite, they showed that tonight. They're quite happy just to knock it around, pass it about, and and then they will wait for an opportunity. And they will wait and they will wait. I mean, I saw what what um, sort of emphasised that fact to me was. I think it's the 80 minutes in, it flashed up on the screen. 72% possession. Touches inside the opposition's penalty box, six. And they yeah. scored in that time <laughs> from a cross that was in the box. So that's, there's two of them, at least, in the, there was for the goal. And you think, okay, so in half an hour, you've had the ball, you know, three quarters of that time and managed to get into the box at the maximum four or five times. And that was just, that's if it's just been one touch in there. So, do you know what I mean? How much is that ball just being held in the midfield and the defence just waiting and waiting and waiting for the right pass to come? So, you, what it needs is, it needs a Tony Pugh-style masterclass of defence. Do we think, has Alex Neil got that in his locker to set them up to, to you know, a tactical masterclass? A one-off game? I mean, I would bring Clark in over Jacob. Um, but the, yes. my, my problem yeah. is, if we have Jacob on the right and Simon on the left, two very attacking fullbacks, we're just going to be overrun. Not if, when we lose the ball, we're going to be overrun very quickly. That's my concern. So that's what I'm saying. If Clark has to, has to replace Brown for that reason, and also the fact that Clark is a better defender than Brown, we can't dictate the play. We're not going to dictate the play because they no, are I'm, a very good I'm team. Harry- Harry Clark scored a cracking header at Turf Moor as well. Yeah, I mean, even that game, if I remember rightly, we were, we were pretty much out of it, weren't we? We, we? we scored from one of our only chances of the game. What What did I say in that game, though? I said we needed to keep it on, keep it on 1-0, and everyone was complaining, weren't they? Why are we defending a 1-0 loss? Why are we defending a 1-0 loss? I said, because if we open up, it'll be 2-3 or 4-0. At 1-0, we just need a chance. And they'll start retreating later on. That's what they did. They started retreating and we then had our spell five, ten minutes at the end and we managed to get a goal. And we could have won that game, couldn't we? Campbell went through, Rinty right at the last... Tyrese again. (laughs) But he went through, Rinty right at the end and uh, the keeper pulled off a save. So are you thinking a very similar game to this then? You know, we need to maybe well, maybe sit back a little bit. I know we're at home, but maybe just accept the fact that you know, they have a, a good set of players, sit back, try and hit them on the counter, because we have got a lot of pace. If we get them right and play these counter-attacks right, that's where we could hurt them. I've got some interesting... Do you want me to reel off some stats? I've got some yeah, go for it, yeah. Stats. So, we'll start with more traditional ones, and then there's some. To- I'll save some towards the end that... Quite interesting for this game in particular. So we've played Burnley 111 times, won 46, drew 26, lost 39. At Stoke, we've played them 54 times, won 30, drew 12, lost 12. So quite a good record, yeah? Burnley have won six of the last 12 games played at Stoke since 1995. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have only three wins and three draws in that time. So... In the home table, Stoke are 22nd with 12 points from 11 games. In the away table, Burnley are third with 19 points from their 11 away games. Um, Stoke are the eighth in the form table over the last five games, picking up eight points. 
whilst Burnley are top of the form table for the last five games, picking up 12 points during that time. Um, Stoke's top scorer at home this season is Tyrese Campbell with three goals, whilst Burnley's top scorer away from home is Teller, who has five, whilst Brownhill and Bastron both have three on the road. Um, all three of Stoke's home wins this season have been by two goals. So they beat Blackpool Luton 2-0 and beat Sheffield United 3-1. Uh, Burnley have lost three times this season, all away from home. Stoke have gone in behind six times at home in 13 games this season. So at half-time, we've been losing six times out of 13 games at home. <laughs> Burnley have gone in ahead four and seven. Sorry, Burnley have gone in ahead in seven of 14 away games in total this season. So they seem to take the lead. Like the lead. <laughs> um, at home, we like to go in losing. Brilliant. If if Jagielka plays in a win, he will have picked up a whopping 47 points from games against Burnley in his career. Wow. And it will be his 15th win in 20 matches against them, where he scored three goals. Mm, okay, he's got to start. <laughs> to fair yeah. though, that I think it could be a, the perfect game for somebody like him, mate. He mm. will do no nonsense and solid defending. Especially place. if you're going to sit a bit deeper. Yeah. Um, Stoke are three points better off than corresponding games last season, but are nowhere near the amount of games points they got after 24 games. Um, so two different stories there. Now, Burnley tonight picked up their 10th win out of 11 home games since August. So the first three games of the season, they drew them all against uh, Luton, Hull and Blackpool. Since then, they played 11 home games, won 10. Who are the only team they haven't beaten at home since the end of August? Go on. Stoke. <laughs> okay. 1-1 one, one draw. <clears throat> um, and then I'll just... So these are the stats now, probably more relevant to this game in particular. At home, Stoke averaged 14 shots per game with 4.64 on target and concede 9.6 with 3.2 on target. Now, here we go. Burnley averaged 67% possession at home, win seven corners, conceding three, and have 14 shots, um, compare, uh, 14 shots, giving away five. Away from home, they have 55% possession, 10 shots, four on target, but they concede 11 shots a game. So, they concede more than twice as many shots away from home than they do at home, and they they have like probably two thirds the amount of shots themselves, with a lot less possession as well. So it sounds like there's two contradicting games. They don't maybe they don't set up away from Burnley the same they do at home, which is the same for a lot of clubs, but the Burnley we've seen tonight might not be the way they play and set up. And that's why I was just thinking as well with with the fullbacks and like say pushing Roberts back at home, he's more inclined to get forward and join the attacks. Away from home, if he's got a bit of a threat up against him, is he more likely to say, you know what, we'll sit back? And especially as soon as we got that point against them at Turf Moor, are they going to respect us and say, you know what, this team they stuck in the, the you know, they made it difficult for us. 
but we know that they've, they've got a threat on the break and you know they can score a goal out of nothing. So, you know, points are not the worst result for them. Okay. Nice. So yeah, that was my that was that was me thinking. Like, like I say, they're not as they seem to be quite formidable at home. But like I say, they've already lost three times away from home. They don't seem to have the dominance over the ball. Uh, they don't keep the ball as much, and they don't um, turn that into shots either. And they concede a lot of opportunities as well. So there's a few chinks in the armor there. We just need to make sure that we, well, let's be honest, are a bit more ruthless. So, you know, if whether we get one chance, whether we get five chances, whatever it is, this is the game we're going to have to take uh, those chances on in order to be successful. I think that that's quite clear. But it's encouraging, though, mate, because, yeah, I didn't realise how much they actually, how many chances they did give away. I mean, actually thinking about that, Birmingham tonight was an example. Birmingham, they didn't, they weren't great by a long chalk, but they could have done better with the, the couple of chances they had. So about how we got this home form sorted, mate. Stats-wise, how's the referee? Please tell me he's not a card or trigger-happy uh, kind of referee for once. Well, that, that could play into our favour, though, couldn't it? If you know, well, if, if he decided flashes red to a Burnley player, and, you know, they 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 might be the big fish in this in this game. We might we might be the underdogs. <laughs> the ref might side with us, and um, yeah, it really is open. Eh? <laughs> uh, the referee is Keith Stroud. Okay, we know that name very well, so why? (laughs) So, he has ref Stoke in eight games, giving 18 yellows, no reds and no penalties. He's ref Burnley four times, four yellows, one red, but also a red for the opposition. Now, I I mentioned earlier on how they drew with Blackpool at home this season. Um, They were 3-1 up in that game, and then he showed a couple of reds, one to a Blackpool player, one to a Burnley player, um, and that match ended 3-3. So he uh, he's got a bit of history there with Burnley, and if I show, like say, flashing the cards about, yeah. um, he refed us twice this season in the defeats away at Millwall and Norwich. Um, however, before this season, we'd only lost once of six games refed by him, with two wins and three draws. Um, obviously, I mentioned that he refed at Blackpool, at home to Blackpool this season. That's his only Burnley game. But they had won their other three games with him refing prior to that this prior to this season. So okay, so yeah, he's got a he's got a he's got a good record uh, for Burnley uh, by the sounds of it, there, mate, and also knows where his reds are. So um, yeah. let's hope he can turn it round for once, mate. Give us a win and send them off uh, for once. I think that's that sounds fair, don't you think? Yeah, seems fair enough to me. I mean, like I say, if we are going to sit deep, it's just made isn't it for a one last man time tackle or something. I mean, get, get, get his red out as quick as he can. Probably dropping it on the floor because he's trying to rip it out of his pocket that quick. Maybe uh, maybe um, Howard Ballis, for a bit of poetry, uh, could could get the red, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe anyway, so... the lap, he's Man City teammate. <laughs> yeah, maybe right on the knee. Um, anyway, uh, moving on to team selection, Dan. Uh, any major changes for you? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, mate. I've already kind of mentioned mine. I mean, Harry Clark comes in for Brown. Maybe Powell, I could see, but I, I've got a feeling he might stick to um, small bones. So that's pretty much my only change, really. Harry Clark comes in for Brown. I mean, I, I, I nearly said to you, what's up with, what's happened to Dujon Sterling? 
But I don't mm. know why why I'm even asking the question because nobody knows anything <laughs> when it comes to these injured players. Yeah. What's happened to Fosu, mate? He's been he's well, been brilliant for us and all of a sudden he's yeah, out of the team it, and disappears. Fosu just doesn't quite fit into this system, does he? Um No. Yeah, this system isn't designed to for Fosu, but I think obviously he's not a better left wing back. He's not a better left wing back than Timon, and he's already shown that he's not a right wing back. So it's for me four three three Fosu plays. If we're not playing four three three, he's going to struggle game game. Let's be honest. We've got plenty of strikers to play in a two without putting a converted winger up there. Uh, although if he if I did pick the team sheet and I saw Fosse was playing off the lap or something, I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't have been like disgusted in it. I thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's got potential to play well there. Got plenty of energy and pace. Could he? Could we go? Could we go to a four-three-three? Maybe thinking that if he goes yeah. to a four-three-three, he could have Brown on one wing and Fosse on another. And although we've said neither are fantastic at defending, both or helpful, can get back, have got good pace, can do a job helping the fullbacks out and maybe even help the fullbacks to be um, more compact in with the centre-halves. Do you not think it leaves us a little bit too open if we lose the ball? Well, I suppose it's all about ball retention isn't it, and keeping it in... Like say if we've got if we've got a flat back four, but then we've got Brown and Fosu who are gonna sit although it's a three, maybe maybe sets when we haven't got the ball, it's a four five one. And then you're asking somebody like Delap to be a bit of a nuisance. And although, you know, I spent the whole podcast saying how great Tyrus Campbell's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you save Campbell's legs for the last twenty minutes? Because the last thing Burnley will want to see is Tyrese Campbell coming on with 20 minutes ago. If they've, you, you know, the old, the old Tony Pulis thing where he used to send like Pericard and Sidibe on to batter um, defenders around for an hour. And then just as they're like, oh, thank God he's going off. And then they look up at Ricardo Fuller's coming on and they're like, oh no. <laughs> because the last, you know, he's been back, knocked around and, and run around and battered for an hour. And then you got somebody as good as that with fresh legs and pace and power coming on. It's the last thing defenders want to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. I mean, as long as we're in the game at that point, then he could he could be the the final screw, couldn't he? Really? So, yeah, I just, Not, yeah. Yeah, I, just I, can, think, I can see your thought process. Yeah, there's plenty of pace in Foster and Brown. They can they can impact the game going forward. And they can also help out the defence. Like, say, if they do drop, when we haven't got the ball, if they do drop in into like a five man midfield, it's something that would allow Clark and Timon maybe to just come inside a little bit and just make sure there's no gaps in between them centre halves and make it difficult for Burnley to pass it through. Or are we then sort of like, say, playing into their hands a bit too much rather than trying to be on the front foot? I mean, we've seen, like, say, we've seen there, haven't we, that away from home teams can get at them, do we just say, you know what, we're going to go at you, you can come at us and like, may the best team win. We fancy ourselves We fancy, We fancy ourselves creating chances. Three games in a row, we scored twice. You know, so we, we, you know, we know we're trying to find where the back of the net is now. We can create. We'll, put our, we'll see if we put our chances away. 
and see if you can create some and put some away at the other end. Mate, fair enough. I'll I'll go with the four three three then. I'll uh, about your superior knowledge on that one. Um, either way, it'd be very interesting to see how he, how he how he goes about it. Do we just go and try and win the game by attacking, or do we sit back and hit him on the counter attack? Do you think he do you think he knows what he's going to do? I think that's just, I think that's just it with him. He does take it literally game by game, doesn't he? Doesn't seem to be someone who plans three or four games ahead, unless it's you know it's like a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, one after another. Yeah, I like it, that. It as doesn't well, seem to be I, like I, that. I, I like that. That's that's sort of saying. Like he's treating the opposition with enough respect so that the players know they're prepared, rather than just sending them out and going, "Well, I'm glad to go and play your game." He's like they go out there knowing what the opposition uh, can do and are going to do, and I think that that in the long run is only going to be helpful to to winning more games, really. So what you what's your score prediction, mate? Um. I am going I had to predict this result actually earlier on for something. I'm going to go. What did I put? I'll put two one to Stoke. I'm going to stick with that. Ah, uh, okay. Um, you're probably not going to like mine. <laughs> I must admit that this was this was. Um, I, I noted this down after straight after the Burnley three 0 win versus Birmingham, uh, and I wasn't feeling confident. But look what you've done to me. You, you brought confidence into me, Dan. I I tell you, I'll give it. I'm going to change my, my prediction. I'm going to tell you what my initial prediction was. Um, Burnley three, Stoke one. Um, yeah, uh, I actually think the flip side is going to happen. I think we would score first, early goal, and then they would come back, get one, get two, and then we'd fold. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but yeah. Anyway, that was my original uh, thought process. Having been inspired by you, Daniel. Um, I'm not going to go for a four-one, but no, no, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm going to go for. I'm actually going to go for a one-one draw. I think it'll be a point again. Okay. Which yeah, I think it's far from overall bad result. Yeah. Do you know what? Both teams. I think both teams would. Uh, if if it was a draw, I don't think either of them would be that disappointed. And, yeah. Uh, no, do you I, want I, some I, more? I think, uh, I think Burnley are that far ahead, mate. I think, yeah, as long as they don't lose, they, they probably won't be overly fussed. A little bit more um, kudos towards a draw. That Burnley have got eight draws this season. Only Luton and Rotherham have got more. They've got nine. Okay. Well, wait. There's, if we get a point, good result. We've got Preston at home next. Not an easy team, again, a team you'd fancy us to have a good shout out. So, so moving on, we've got a couple of bits of audio. We've got Graham, obviously, with his normal prediction. Hopefully, he's feeling a bit, uh, a bit confident. He, he did, he did predict a, I think, a two-one um, or a one-nil win. I think it might have been actually uh, last week. So we can hear from him. Um, also, we have some thoughts from the uh, Burnley camp as well. So we'll see what their thoughts are. I've got a feeling they might be quite confident. Hi guys, Joe Redman from Turfcast Podcast here to give my thoughts ahead of the Stoke City versus Burnley Football Club game this week at the Britannia Stadium then, at the Bet365 Stadium. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, we're playing really well at the minute. Uh, I think we've scored three goals in our last four consecutive league games. 3-0 against Blackburn, 3-0 away at QPR, 3-1 at home to Middlesbrough and 3-0 uh, last night at the time of recording this against Birmingham City. We are on fire we are playing very very well 11 points clear of third after just 24 games that is 
I think, unheard of. I've not seen it done before. Um, I know Burnley have never done it before. Um, even the year we won the league in 2016, um, we weren't doing this well at this stage of the season. Um, we actually weren't doing very well at all at this stage of the season. I think we lost against Hull on Boxing Day or, or Middlesbrough. I can't remember. We lost on Boxing Day against somebody. That was our fifth defeat of the season that year. Um, we went on a 23-game unbeaten run and ended up winning the league quite comfortably, but we were better in the second half that season. Whereas this season, we've been very, very good in the first half, and at this stage, we've only lost two games. Um, I do think we'll lose more, though. Um, I'm a little bit worried about Sheffield United. They absolutely murdered us uh, when we played them at their place. But at the minute, you know, I don't think we have much to worry about. We've got a, a goalkeeper who, who's who's proven a lot of people wrong after a bit of a shaky start, but nothing too untoward. But uh, people were just comparing him to Nick Port, which is really unfair. Uh, but Mioric has done very, very well in his last few games. Same with the penalty against Middlesbrough. Uh, and, of course, kept three clean sheets out of four. Um... In the midfield, we have two brilliant players, well, three brilliant players um, in Josh Cullen, Josh Brownhill and Jack Cork. I think for me, it's it's comfortably the best midfield in the league. Um, at the back, um, I won't say we've got the best defence in the league. I'd say that'll probably belong to Sheffield United, but we are very, very good at the back as well. We have we have two sort of like central uh, defenders who, who are better on the ball than probably anybody in the league, uh, defenders-wise anyway, uh, which is really unheard of for Burnley. Obviously, the Burnley for the last few years has been all about oofing it, big tackles, big headers, that sort of thing. Whereas now we have defenders who, who actually want the ball and they'll come into midfield with the ball and things like that. So um, it's it's really different. And at full-backs, um, obviously we've got Ian Matson, who's on loan from Chelsea, sensational. Uh, and Conor Roberts, who's just come back from the World Cup, but uh, played brilliantly against Birmingham yesterday and I think should have got the man of the match. Um, Wingers-wise, Zorore, Benson, best two in the league. Um, Zorori is, is sensational. Uh, Benson is sensational. They're both very, very good at beating men. They're both very, very good at scoring goals. They can take people on, like I say. They can whip balls in. They can get behind you. It's, they've got everything. Um, and then up front, we've got the likes of Jay Rodriguez, who's, who's been, just been a little bit quiet, if I'm being honest with you. I thought he would have been a bit better over his last few games. Um, he has had an injury, though, so that's probably um, been part of that. But last night against Birmingham, I thought he was a little bit poor. But, you know... He's, he's in a shout with the golden boot for the league. I don't think he's, he's leading the race anymore. I'm not sure who that is, to be honest, but he was leading it at one stage. Um, so, you know, he's not been poor. Uh, and, of course, Nathan Teller, who is just an absolute pace merchant, but he, he's, he's not just a pace merchant, if that makes sense. Like he has, he's, he's so fast, it's unbelievable, and you think, oh, this guy's he's just got pace, that's why he's a footballer. But then you'll watch him bring a ball down, and he has got one of the best touches I've ever seen of a Burnley player, and that's saying something when we, when we have or had the likes of Stephen DeFore and Robbie Blake in years gone by. Um, in terms of our style of play, I've pretty much mentioned it. Um, it'll be one of them where we will just pass it around at the back, try and make you you know, press us and then try and break your lines. Pretty simple, really. And then we can make the runs in behind with the plays that we've got and the quality that we have on the ball. Um, I am expecting a winner, if I'm being honest. We're going into this in some very, very good form. So it would be very, very weird of me to say, I, I don't think we'll win this match because... You know, we've like I said, we've had we've had a lot of joy, a lot of joy recently. Um, ever since the defeat at Sheffield United, where we got battered. Um, let's be fair, we got absolutely battered five two, I think it was. It was two one up, um, but we got absolutely battered uh, in that second half. But since then, I think that was kind of like the kick up the backside that we needed because I think there was a little bit of complacency creeping in.
Hi there, you Potters predictors, as you get ready for your final Stoke City prediction of 2022. It's been an up and down year, hasn't it? But what a game that you're going to end 2022 and go into 2023 on when you take on Burnley, a side that's hoping to make an instant return to the Premier League when it comes around about May time in 2023. But for Stoke, they've still got work to do. Disappointing that they can only manage to get that 2-2 draw at Rotherham when it looked as though... The performance deserved the three points, but it wasn't to be. That's what happens when you find it difficult to get a run of results going. Well, Stoke will take heart from bringing a point back, and they're going into the game now full of confidence. Even though it's a very, very tricky game, it could just be one of those games that the Bet365 finally lights up, and the crowd are in a great voice, and they're right behind the players, and perhaps they can upset the odds, and perhaps they can make it a, a night to forget for Burnley. Come on, let's go out on a high. Stoke 2, Burnley 1. Right, lovely chaps. Thank you very much, obviously, for uh, your predictions. Yeah, Burnley, obviously, are feeling confident coming into the game. We don't exactly inspire fear at the Bear 365, or we haven't done. So it'd be nice to finally try and turn that round for once. Um, Graham, yeah, predicted a 1-0 win last week. Um, gone for a 2-1 Stoke win this time. Dan? Unfortunately, every time Graham predicts a Stoke win, we lose. Um, I, must, I must admit, I quite preferred it when he used to predict us to um, to lose and then we go and win. So, um, yeah, he's agreed with you though, mate. 2-1 win. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, you're, you're the man with the... You're the man with the uh, the £20 notes flashing around right now. Are you counting all them out of your near five grand? I mean, we should be the ones following you. We shouldn't... <laughs> you're, the man in the, you're the man in form. Hey mate, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take it. And um, a little early tip for you, mate, for 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 the weekend, you want to choose Aldershot Woking, Altrincham Halifax, and Dorking Eastleigh for you both teams to score. Um, three sets of teams that are prolific. So there you go. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on, uh, a bit of a, a Super Six update uh, for you. We'll add one of them in a few weeks because of the World Cup. But um, I'm assuming Dan that no doubt you've forgotten your Super Six this week again. Do you know what? I didn't forget it. I was just that busy. I didn't get a chance to do it. It was in my head. I, was like, I need to do this in a minute. I need to do this in a minute. And then all of a sudden, it was like, Tottenham are kicking off in two minutes. And I thought, that's on the Super 6. And then it got even busier after that. And I was like, mm. and then, yeah, before I knew it, it was all closed. Well, if it's that any consolation, um, mate, I had an, a measly eight points this week. So not not great. Um, I must admit, though, from from the names that I've seen for this round, anyway, uh, Ian Ball and Charlie Bester, or Bester, sorry if I've absolutely butchered your name there, uh, basically had a, had a blinder this week. They had 16 points. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. Uh, David Wayne, Sean Thompson and Lewis Hughes picked up 14 points. I'm pretty sure all the, the top flyers who are normally over the course of the season have been up there. I don't think any of them really scored in the top 10, if I remember rightly. So, um, yeah, you might not have been the only one who didn't do your Super 6 this week, mate. Um, and w- one thing we need to definitely mention, you know, we've, you've heard us talk about this a lot on previous pods. Um, you know, the red and white Christmas appeal we've had going. Um, as I, mean, I, won't go, I won't go into War and Peace because you know what it's about, but we obviously wanted to raise, raise 5000 for the uh, the Dougie Mac Foundation, the Stoke Food Bank, um, and, of course, the Macari Foundation. Um Amazingly, I think what, what was it, Dan? Was it Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? I think it might have been Christmas, Christmas Day. Eve. Was it Christmas Eve? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so yeah, we surpassed 
the 5,000. You amazing people um, smashed it. We're, well, we're, as of about an hour ago, I think we're around 5,500. We've still got enough money that takes us well over 6,000 at this point. So those three charities in the new year are going to get um, a nice check on their way. So, yeah, every single one of you have donated, shared, liked, whatever it is, you have made it possible. So really big well done. Uh, there was a chap as well. And, you know, we don't want to single people out because everyone's donations are, have been amazing. But I think probably wrong not to mention it. Uh, somebody did make a donation on Christmas Eve of £1,200, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible this time of year. Um, you know, I know could have chose any charities, but really impressed. So thank you. If that person's listening, thanks for doing that. I'm sure the charities will thank you as well. Um, but, you know, this has been a real collective effort. So I just thought we we just had to mention it, didn't we? Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, thank you to everybody who, everybody who donated, everybody who liked it, shared it, retweeted it, got out to you know, got it out to as many eyes as we, which is something we said, you know, that's, if you can't, if you couldn't financially help, then please help us spread the word. And people obviously have done that because without that happening, this would never have happened, would it? We wouldn't be sitting here on £5,500. No, absolutely not, mate. And if anybody does want to, to donate, I mean, it's still open. It's it's going to be open for another couple of weeks. So um, if you go to Just Giving and then you can always search for, I think, Red and White Christmas, you'll see it up there. Obviously, they're around five and a half grand. Um, so you'll see it on there as well. You can go to the Twitter and Facebook pages of ours. So every step along on Twitter and also just search every step along the way on Facebook. Um, the links will be on there as well. So feel free to, to keep sharing it or, or donating. Um so, Dan, uh, that pretty much, I think, wraps it up for this week. I know it's been a shorter than normal podcast, if, if I'm, my math is correct. Um, but obviously we are, I'm trying to think, when, when are we back again? Because we've obviously got another quick game after after Friday, haven't we? I think another midweek match, if I remember rightly. I, I could be wrong. Yes, due to the, uh, I say, the hectic festive, festive calendar. Yeah, we play Preston on Monday. Um so, so yeah, this this podcast is going to be released Thursday. We're recording on Tuesday, and we re- released Thursday. We play Friday, and the next podcast will be out Sunday for the Monday game. So New Year's Day will be released. The Preston podcast. What better thing to do on it on New Year's Day, mate, than listen to our fantastic voices? Um, and so uh... just keep that. If ever there's been a hangover cure. Yeah, yeah, hundred, hundred percent, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much uh, leaves it at that. Unless there's any final comments from you? No, go on, Stoke. Going to be a tough game. Let's stick with the lads. Um, oh yeah, let's get behind them. I know it's been difficult at home the last few years, <laughs> not just three games. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to need. We're going to need that 12th man against Burnley, aren't we? So let's see what we can do united together. Well, can't say any better than that, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us as always. Um, and we will see you all at the weekend. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.